بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین وسلاۃ وسلام علیہ رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ویلکم آڈینس ٹو دا لیٹسٹ ایپیسوڈ آف دا ٹوکن دین پوڈ کاسٹ ناؤ ول آئی ایم یور ہاؤس ماجد اور آئی ٹیک دا ماسک آف یور ریکگنائز از ڈیفلی می بٹ ٹوڈے از سیشن از از ڈفرنٹ ٹو دا sort of uh, lay, lay the stage that, you know, obviously we know the time at the moment, there's uh, a lot of self-quarantining going on at the moment. And uh, the Talking Theme podcast is in the same situation. But we thought, you know, that uh, the Talking Theme podcast may be in quarantine, but we're going to still continue talking, inshallah ta'ala, because there are pressing matters that need to be spoken about. Um, you know, even though uh, zombies are roaming the streets right now, Um, we still got to continue. So inshallah ta'ala, um, also just to add as well that today's podcast originally was supposed to be uh, with uh, with Sim from the Mad Mamluks. Um, but yesterday, Chicago has gone into lockdown. So the brother was, was uh, not able to make it, but uh, our prayers and duas are certainly with him. Um, so yes, yeah, so inshallah ta'ala, you know, Uh, what we'll do is uh, we'll, we'll kickstart and uh, I'll introduce my, uh, my hosts. Um, obviously, there's uh, the, my first host, Agna, well, my co-host, shall I say, for this podcast is uh, Brother JK. And you will know Brother, well, Brother JK. And you will know Brother JK from the Talking Sira episodes. Um, he's our main Talking Sira guy. Then we have Brother Adris. Assalamualaikum. <laughs> and brother Adris is um, the he looks after the voice of the Umar Twitter page so if you want to ever you know give a shout out there's the man and also we have brother Khairul um, Khairul. and brother Khairul is the one the mastermind who is behind <laughs> uh, all our production like posters and, and videos uh, so inshallah what we want to also do as well is put a face to some of the names as well. Um, so, you know, we thought this is probably going to be the best way of doing this podcast, uh, even though it's a bit, bit short notice. So what I'm going to do is to, because we've got some new people on the podcast, um, JK suggested that we start off with a bit of an icebreaker um, and ask a question to all of you guys just to get things rolling. So I'm going to start off with Brother Adris. Yes, he's... Uh, Uh, the one who's going to kickstart off, inshallah. So, brother, the question I'm going to ask all of you, but I'm going to start off with you, is uh, if you were to be quarantined with anyone, okay, uh, within the last 1400 years, i.e. Muslim personality, uh, except you can't choose the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa you can't choose the sahaba, and also because I want your true opinion, you can't choose your wife as well, uh, and that goes for any of you guys. I know you guys might want to do that, you know, might be a bit pressure, but let's, you know, <laughs> let's, let's not include wives and, and all these, right? So who do you think, Brother Adris, would, who would you like to spend your quarantine time with? Bro, you put me at the spot, man. <laughs> Bro, this is the podcast. You've got to be ready for these things. Honestly, I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a difficult one, bro. It is a really difficult question. Okay, just you know, quickly, just, just think about the first name that comes into your head. First name, I'd say uh, Salahuddin Ayyubi. Subhanallah, okay, okay. mashallah. my one. 
and, 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 and why, why, very quickly, why, why Adris? Um, I, I've studied a lot of uh, what he achieved, including his teachers. Um, I even named my son Salahuddin because uh, of how fond I am of what, what he's achieved. So I think, yeah, he is a role model for me and for my kids. So they do read the story. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with him. Okay, just because I'm going to give uh, Brother Khairul a little bit more time. I'm going to take this over to uh, Brother JK. So, Brother JK, who, who do you think? Who would you spend, I mean, like to spend? Yeah, it is a difficult one, but yeah, I thought about it a little bit. And I'd probably say uh, Abdul Hamid II, actually. Because reason being, he was in a time where... <laughs> You know, he saw uh, the the golden, he didn't see it, but he knew, knew about the golden ages of the Ottoman Empire, but he also saw it coming to its end. So mm-hmm. how he managed to keep it under wraps for so long. And even though he saw, you know, the Zionists asking for the land of Palestine and all of this. So it'd be interesting to get that take of, you know, and also we could probably take lessons from what he did then to how we would apply. If Islam came to the realm of life today, how would you apply it today, inshallah? So, probably Abdul Hamid, but it's a difficult question because there's so many names that come to mind. SubhanAllah. And uh, finally, with Khairul. Yeah, uh, difficult one, but firstly, I'm glad you've taken off your uh, mask because uh, I don't know if you've got the <laughs> wrong end of the stick or if I don't know something you know, but I, I'm pretty sure coronavirus can't be transmitted through Skype or, you know. Bro, you should, you should have mentioned that, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, for for a second, I was a bit worried there, thinking, oh, should I have my mask on because I don't want to be <laughs> passing on anything." Um, no, good question. Um, I was thinking um, Imam Bukhari. Subhanallah. Um, I heard you hear a few uh, stories about the brilliance of Imam Bukhari and his um, memory, how brilliant his memory was, and. Um, yeah, that, uh, that fascinated me and that, that'd be amazing to sit with someone like that um, who can uh, reel off hadith after hadith, chain, uh, you know, understanding and knowing the chain of the hadith as well. Um, yeah, there's some brilliant stories, probably too long to go into the actual stories, but I've heard a few and that's, um, that's fascinated me, to be honest with you. So Imam Bukhari, if you're someone from the past, Definitely. No, that's really, really good choices. Really good choices. Yeah, but what about you, bro? You, you yeah. never mentioned who you'd be with, uh, much. You're not going to get out of this. <laughs> yeah, you know what? To be honest, there's there's so many names, man. Uh, but what I would say is, uh, I know Adris is uh, already sort of taken it, but I would say Salahuddin uh, Al-Ayubi, uh, uh, to be honest with you, purely because obviously we, we, are, we are fascinated because we're living in a time when you know, Al-Quds and Palestine is under occupation. And, uh, you know, obviously the biography of uh, Salahuddin Al-Ayubi is available for everyone. And also we know that we have the seerah of the, of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we look to these for our solutions uh, to the seerah and to the, the revelation. But, you know, I would like to speak to him about, you know, how he was able to overcome and the obstacles and unite the ummah. And also maybe even ask him what, what he thinks about you know, people cycling for Palestine and people doing these charity runs and and and, and going to the UN and stuff like that and, and and get his opinion on on these type of activities. You know, he, he would probably be angry at that stage, but but yeah, that's that's who I would say. But uh, but inshallah, okay, let, let's continue. Let's start. Let's continue with the podcast. So as people have may have gathered, the podcast is going to be about the coronavirus. I mean, at this moment in time, 
uh, how could anyone be speaking about anything other than coronavirus because everyone is speaking about this, right? So, um, you know, we know things are escalating. Uh, obviously, China now has, uh, has said that they, they're fully like, it, they've got the, the virus fully under control. Um, but we know in the UK, certainly things are kicking off where, um, you know, the warnings are there. Maybe uh, the action by the government isn't following. But what do you guys think in regards to what's happening and, and how long do you think this coronavirus is going to last? Anyone? I think it's quite difficult to say how long it's going to go on for because um, the effort to try and stop it or at least reduce its impact is a collective effort. And there's um, a lot of mixed messages out there about how much effort you should put in to preventing it preventing its spread so you know if if half of society uh let's say that half of society in, uh, self-isolated the other 50 percent are still spreaders so mm-hmm. it's you know at the end of the day the the recommended suggestions um through various sources not just uh uk government but there's sharia rules related to this situation as well um if you put them all together and you follow the necessary advice, uh, at the end of the day, it's all about implementation. You put it together and it'll be over sooner. Uh, the longer you don't implement it, it'll be around for longer. That's my yeah. opinion. I have to, I'd agree with that. I think um, it's about the response. So, for example, China, like you said, China has got it under control. But um, as a result of the measures they put in place, um, so they, you know, some people might call it draconian or extreme but they've literally enforced people not to um, interact and, and not to have social interactions being brought to a standstill. And I was watching a video earlier and they were speaking about how the way that people have reacted is that they've seen it as a civic duty, that they have to do it. Whereas, you know, if you think about the, you know, European lifestyle or the UK lifestyle, it's a lifestyle of freedom. It's a lifestyle of like having my liberties to go to the pub or go to the clubs. And when this is, uh, you know, clamped down on, will the people really follow? And, and, and we found that in London, for example, many people aren't following the rules and they're not following the advice. So because they live in a, you know, these, are, these societies don't really like rules. You know, freedom is sold to them as do what you want, do as you, as you wish. So now that these freedoms are being um, taken away from them, uh, it will be interesting to see whether the, you know, they can actually contain the virus in the same way China has. Yeah, and these people, they, they seem to, like you said, they don't like to follow the rules. So you saw, I saw a few articles of um, um, people on Friday night when they heard about the pubs and the clubs and everything are going to be closed. They went out and they're saying, look, this is going to be my final night. But they're completely going against what was being advised by uh, the government they're completely selfish thinking about themselves not thinking about the greater public health or pub- greater public good um and it's um there were some sad stories as well you know some of these um the emergency workers and uh, nhs staff going into um uh, the supermarket late at night because they've been all day working uh, you know trying to save people's lives basically and going into supermarkets finding that shelves and uh, empty um, because people have just gone in and even today I think there was an an, uh, an allocated slot for NHS stuff to go into um, supermarkets and buy their their um, do their shopping um, and 
uh, I think it was a, a Tesco in West Midlands in Dudley, um, where thousands of uh, just normal Joe public was queuing up, um, were basically hijacking that that hour where NHS, NHS staff were going to go in and do their shopping. And most of the NHS staff who understand the virus ended up turning away and going back home because they knew, look, thousands of people here gathering in one place. There was actually a crush as well at the door. Um, they went back without any shopping. Uh, so, so, you know, like, um, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, because I was speaking to somebody who works in the NHS. Yeah. And when I was speaking about lockdown and the, and, and the person said, look, you know, I don't like the word lockdown because... Nobody thinks that the NHS doesn't lock down. The NHS, mm. they don't stop. The people, the so much pressure is on the, on, on the people in the NHS. It's unbelievable right now. And the, the point you made there was fantastic, bro. The fact that if that hour was allocated for them, yet, you know, people ignored that. And at the same time, they obviously, like you said, they know that all these people, they're so close to each other. Any one of them could be carriers. You know exactly. what I mean? And automatically you're passing it on and they can't get it because they have to be in the hospital. It's, you know, they have to make sure. So, you know, what do you think, what, what reflection of, on society has the coronavirus shown us? You know, what, what, how is this, in what light is, is the society at large shown whilst yeah. this coronavirus issue has begun? It's really what, interesting, isn't it? Because um, you... Like, like you said, you can see how it exposes certain elements of society. You know, when it comes to when they're talking and we're having conversation with you know, non-Muslim colleagues and stuff, you will generally get the, the right thing. They'll say the right thing, like, you know, caring about other people and stuff like that. But when it comes to a situation of emergency, that's when, you know, the, the truth is shown, right? And the true face is shown. So, you know, what is the highlight? Well, for me, it's like the good, the bad and the ugly. I have to, have to say that there has been some good. You know, some, there's some people that are thinking about humanity and thinking about both, both Muslim, Muslims and non-Muslims alike. They are few and far between, but there are a few people that are thinking about the NHS, they're thinking about the elderly and the vulnerable. And you've heard some good stories of where certain people have taken their own time to help out other people. Mm. Um, I was listening to a story where um, there was some old people waiting in their car for like 45 minutes near a shopping store and they were waiting for the right person to come past that they could ask to do their shopping for them, give, give them a list and give £100. And they found someone and this person did it and put it in a boot and just well, share the story to say, look, you need to look out for the elderly because they're the most at risk. Um, well, that's the good, but then you see the bad. And the bad is where, you know, you see these people fighting over t- uh, tissue Flying over blue roll, um, just even though they've got a trolley full of blue roll, subhanallah, they still can't give it to someone else. Um, and you know, subhanallah, I was listening to someone who's in Syria at the moment, and he said it's amazing when you do the comparison with those people living in Syria. When he went to give them aid, they would, even though they needed the aid, they needed the food, they would say to this person, Oh, have you checked on that neighbor? Because that neighbor is more needy than me, subhanallah. Now, how, how many people would have that viewpoint here? Because of that selfishness and greediness, they don't really have that viewpoint. And just to fin- finalise, the, the ugly is really where you've seen some organisations, some companies uh, try to profit from the situation, where they've uh, hiked up prices. Uh, they've, you know, some people selling uh, Luro for £10, uh, sanitizer for just inflating their price so high, uh, just to benefit. Not not because you know they're struggling, just to benefit from a really dire situation. So, subhanallah, it does tell you a lot about the society we live in. So yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we we even seen. I mean, and the reality is, is we can't exclude 
local Muslims from this as well because you know in in the local community there's been a case where you know people have uh, you know doubled the price you know quadruple the price on on, on some things you know I saw a, a picture of like Dettol was uh, you know like Dettol just just a little bottle was I think it was around 15 16 pound so you know at the end of the day the reality is is that as Muslims you know when it comes down to times like this you know we should think about others before ourselves but here and I mean a lot of, there have been a lot of videos going around people saying that look um, you know uh, we are increasing the prices because that's the fault of the people because the people are hoarding okay so that might be a different issue now the only odd thing about that is, is that if you go to the supermarkets like your Aldi's or these they haven't increased the prices right <laughs> so so I mean I don't know what the truth is I don't know whether it is a case that the the consumer is at fault because at the same time then you have got Muslims who are uh, okay, maybe they're thinking about thinking for themselves. Maybe people don't think about if I buy all of this, no one else will be able to get it. You know, there is a lot of scaremongering going on. But you know, what it does show is uh, it really just does, does show. Certainly in the West, it shows a society full of individuals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I was going to mention um, something similar. I saw some. Um, I think our brothers at Five Pillars actually um, posted it on uh, Insta Instagram. A bag of cardamoms, thirty six ninety nine. Now, wow, yeah, you know that that's it's not like the cardamoms have gone up in price to that level where a bag of cardamoms, even from a demand and supply perspective, that's just ridiculous. That's somebody just trying to puff profit off it, uh, and that's and that's haram. But the bottom line is the fact that this society is. All, up, all about the individual. It's all about um, how to maximize your own indiv individual um, pleasure and how to benefit yourself. Um, that's what breeds selfishness. Um, individualism is all about myself as long as me and my family are okay. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's rubbed off on, on Muslims that live in this society. It's all, it's all uh, bred from the ideology of... Um, freedoms capitalism that that um you know uh, promotes individualism and and that's the issue really that's why you know sometimes you know whenever we think about saudi or or you know people are going to saudi or people are going to places like egypt or pakistan bangladesh right and the reality is is that with most of us who have been born in this country we're used to order we're used to queuing you know these things so what happens is you know when we visit those lands we, without even realizing it, we start looking down on those people like somehow we're better. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you something now. You know, the society should be judged. People should be judged not in a time of peace, in the time of adversity, right? Yeah. So what we yeah. see now is the fact that, you know, you know when people live according to a system, then everything's going to be in order. It's in their interest, okay? Now, once that system's gone, like the Joker said, mm -hmm. the real beast, the real monsters will appear. And that's what happens, you know, and you see these people fighting over, you know, toilet roll or, or just generally over, over, you know, stuff in the supermarkets. And, and what you see is uh, this chaos. But the reality is, is that in the Muslim lands, we're not living under the Sharia. We don't have the Khilafah system, right, which regulates our man's affairs, right? We don't have this. We have dictators. We have really weird type of systems where in some places they're trying to implement democracy, but the people not really feeling it, that type of thing, right? But in reality, like JK gave the example of Syria, you don't see this there. 
you understand you know see this there whilst those people don't have don't have a system you know yet we look down on those people subhanallah imagine when there's a true islamic system there those people will be an example for the world but you look at here you know when people live life like yeah there's peace and security everyone's a everyone's a guardian angel now as soon as there's some news of you know money running out or bread running out and you know then it's all me 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 and then what you see you see you know a reality of people who it's like uh, it's like a different face you see a different face why because there's you know people the person they only think about themselves you understand and i think that's a really good example of what this what this shows is really that you know if this law and order wasn't here then you know people really would be living it would be like the wild west you understand people would be living you know the strong will make militias and have their rule and they you know it would be really survival of the fittest and i think something like this brings out the nature and actually what it shows is it shows a decline in human qualities when we see this i was going to say not only that but it also exposes the system itself yeah of course the, yeah the, the system is what uh, teaches people how to manage their affairs um as a community and, and as an individual and if they can't balance that relationship then that's the system's fault for not bringing that up in people so mm. what one part is the sim- uh, system being misapplied or not being applied but the other thing is what does the system encourage people to do and greed is at the the forefront and the basis of uh, of a western society because it is about freedom individualism it's all about getting the best that you possibly can for yourself and if you're lucky that includes your family as well but for most people it's just yourself yeah i mean uh, the thing is as an example yeah, i can only give you my example you know with my mom she's not too well uh with my father he just came from hospital yesterday was, you know um and if i'm going to sort of like isolate myself a little bit even though there's a bit of me telling me and even this is not the right approach though that look i'm i'm young you know someone may argue that but generally i think i'm young i'm healthy alhamdulillah so i'm not going to get it but i'm at the same time in my mind i'm thinking look i don't want to get it and then pass it on to somebody else whether it's my parents whether it's other people you understand so there's yeah. an element of you yeah. thinking about other people but like uh, khairul was talking about you know when people realize there could be a possible lockdown and address I speak to brother Adris earlier and he was mentioning the same thing that as soon as people found out there may be a lockdown right what did they do man they went out clubbing pubbing you know because they don't care about anyone else they there could be someone who has that virus but to him all he wants to do is maximize maximize this life you know maximize the sensual gratification live life to the max he doesn't care about passing it on you know and the yeah. thing is is that just think about it just from last night just from last night how many cases new cases do you think there might be exactly you're going the thing is is that you're only going to know until 2 weeks time from now when they appear because the the and and you know i had um, a really good conversation with a doctor as well about this and you have to understand what's what's actually being uh, highlighted in the media as confirmed cases now Uh, if Madge or any one of us guys gets uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus, that doesn't mean that now that's another number one on what the COVID-19 count is in the UK. Now, the next stage from one of us catching it is how severe does it get? Because there are 
instances of people who get a mild cold, some get a really bad cold, some will get a temperature with it, some will get a severe cough, and all of these stages in between, you're still not included in that count, but you are able to pass it on to people who are in the high-risk category, okay? Yeah. The yeah. point that you get counted on that counter that everybody looks at on the news is when you're in a critical situation and you get taken into hospital and you're put on, on a ventilator, that's when you're counted as one person. So what you have to understand is whatever there's being reported on the news, as in coronavirus count in the UK, uh, it's difficult to say exactly how much more, but I reckon five to ten times more is what actually exists in the UK. And yeah, now you, you've got to consider now there's one person that could be infected who isn't uh, a high-risk person. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, there's cases of, of people who have died who are as low as 20, as young as 20. So, you know, you're, you're agilist from Allah anyway. That's a separate issue. But could you, would you feel comfortable living with the idea that you're not a high-risk person, but you've passed it on to your son or your daughter or your mom or your dad or a close relative who is a high-risk person? And as a result they're now in ICU. Worst case scenario, if, um, if the hospital beds are full, they can't even get treatment. And you might not know whether it was you or not, but what if it was? And if that's not enough to frighten people, then surely, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Islam rules for everything. And there is a rule for this. And it's about implementation. I think that takes me back to Salahuddin for a moment as well which is why I look up to him, is he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't a scholar. He wasn't the most famous person in the world. Um, he just implemented what he knew and he achieved things and then he became heroic and famous because of what he achieved. So yeah, implementation yeah. is the key. I think there is a fine balance because, you know, it's like I speak to someone earlier and uh, people are saying, look, uh, you know, the life and death is written and, and, you know, don't worry about these things and stuff like that. And I said, look, at the end of the day, it's, it's, we know, we know that your ajil is fixed, but it's the same Sharia that's telling you your ajil is fixed that tells you that if you have an illness, not to mix with healthy people, right? Or if there's a risk, because look, at the end of the day, I said, look, imagine there's a cold winter day, there's snow outside. Do you know what I mean? Right. Are you going to, um, you know, have a shower and then just go out in your boxes and your and your vest and say, look, if I, if I catch anything, it's from Allah anyway. You understand? You don't do these things. You, you understand? There's, there's a, because there's rules. There's rules of mixing and there's rules of passing it on. There's rules of protecting other people. But this all comes down to the point where you have to think of other people more than yourself. Because if you don't think of anyone else and, and, and all you can think of is, I want to get that last you know, pint of Guinness in, you get me, before the, the pubs are closed, right? <laughs> if that's all you... Make it more relatable to us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I'm talking about non-Muslim generally. You know I mean? Okay, just say like, for Muslims, it may be the case. I look, I may have it, I may have it, but look, at the end of the day, you know, before the takeaway is closed, you know, I want to get the last doner kebab in, you get me? So at the end... But that is what happened. That is what happened. Mm. That's, in, yeah, in, yeah. Birmingham, in Birmingham, Torres was rammed. Yeah. Mm. Even in London, East London, the halal restaurants, they were rammed. Everyone was out. They were all getting their final steak and kebab in. It's like, and and it, I think it just goes to show how much of this individualistic mm. society 
the Muslims in the West have adopted as well. Because now they're going there. I'm like, okay, they might exactly. not. Be. That was the point I was trying to make earlier. That that it's it certainly affected the Muslims here. Um, mm. And and another thought I had was that, you know, people are in isolation at the moment uh, with the um, quarantine, quarantining themselves. And that's a moment for people to really reflect and think about things, think about life, think about the purpose of life. But yet, these people in this society, after it being in our isolation, working from home and talking about how they're, be, they're lonely and having to do other things to try and keep themselves occupied, they're still going out there like animals, really, and yeah. raiding the shops and not thinking about anyone else. Have they not even yeah. sat down and thought for a second? The Prophet ﷺ used to isolate himself even before he received revelation. It was a way of contemplating about life and, and, and what the purpose is. And these people, really, I don't understand. And it, the Western ideology has really gripped hold of them to such an extent. Assalamu <laughs> uh, alaikum. Yeah, it's gripped them to such an extent that they've, they're not even contemplating about these things whilst they're in isolation. No, that's just, uh, just to add to that as well, uh, bro, just, you know, um, one thing that I was just uh, reflecting on is they, in this society, they look for distraction. You know how all this, con this contemplation is natural for man, that we want to know the answers, we want to reflect on the signs of Allah. Uh, it's natural, it's innate in man to do this. But what the society has done in, in normal times before coronavirus is all about distraction and um, you know entertainment, and it taints the mind that you just want uh, to have that satisfaction. So go to the club, go to the bar, you know, watching Netflix, binge watching, right? And I was speaking to a few colleagues at work, and they were they were, you know, they were discussing what they're going to do when they're at home alone, right? And they was they were talking about what what episode can we watch and binge watch. Uh, while we're in in isolation, what, and they were giving ideas to each other. That's fine. I'm not I'm not um, being you know, you know, saying something like as though we don't do it and we don't watch TV and so we do, but it does make you reflect that this is a sign from Allah. We should go away and reflect. We should do more to get closer to Allah. And you know, they're giving lots of these free games and lots of free entertainment uh, because they know people are going to be uh, stuck in their homes. And it does make you think that constantly that that industry just wants you to be distracted and yeah, not think do. about those deeper questions. Yeah. Even as the ayat of the, of the Quran, Allah SWT says that, you know, he will, he will, you know, test people, you know, he will send down tests and trials and tribulations so that they return to him. So, you know, the point that you guys mm. were saying, the fact that even though there's this thing that's upon us, this COVID or this, this virus and, and, you know, and people are locked up at home and they can't do these things and it's a moment to reflect, isn't it? Because the whole thing is about safety, life, death. But if Definitely. people then ignore that, totally ignore that, then at the end of the day, Allah saying, Allah saying, look, this is for, to bring you back to Him, right? But if they if they don't want to heed and and you know take those lessons, then at the end of the day, that's that's ever that's everyone's fault. The, the 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 signs are clear, but we choose to ignore them. But I want this this actually nicely go moves on to my next question. Okay, so do you guys think? That this is a punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I mean, there's talk about the, uh, the Chinese being punished Because of what they're doing in uh, uh, East Turkestan and, and, and whatnot But do you think that this is a punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I, I don't 
well, I, I don't know whether we can say, to be honest, because if you think about it, you know, this argument that the Chinese are being punished initially, you know, when it was initially mainly in China a few months ago, uh, this was a bit of a convenient thing to say because, um, you know, they are, let's not, there's no denying it, they are oppressing a lot of the Muslims in that area. But um, to say it, two things for me that kind of debunk this view is firstly, even they say that even the Muslims in China were affected by COVID-19 as well. So if, if it's a punishment, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punish those that are being, you know, already being oppressed? First point. Second point, COVID-19 is global now. No. There's an argument whether it even started in China. We can probably talk about that a little bit. But, you know, there's a global pandemic. Multiple countries are being affected, Muslims and non-Muslims alike. So we can't, you know, we can't say, I don't think we can say, it's Allah alam, Allah knows best. But I think one thing we can say is that it really highlights the might and power of Allah. That, subhanAllah, one microbe, smallest of microbes, uh, you know, brought the world to a standstill for the whole nations to a standstill, um, economic collapse and all of this. And it really, one thing I was thinking about, you know the story of Nimrud, uh, this you know, tyrant, you know, what destroyed him? A mosquito, you know, a mosquito went through, you know, I don't know how authentic it is, but a mosquito went, into his, uh, went through his nose and, you know, and it caused him to die. So subhanAllah, it just shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the might and the power to impact us all uh, through the smallest of things. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think we can, with certainty, say it's a punishment. Yeah. But, it, but we can reflect on it. I'd agree with that. You, we can't. We can't delve into uh, the ghaib. This is uh, the, in the knowledge of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Why you know why this has happened? Um, I mean, somebody. Uh, the point. The initial point that you made, J.K. Um, somebody could argue against that, and because Allah mentions in the Quran that um, his 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 curse can befall over a nation, even if there are righteous people there, and it will, the divine scourge will uh, affect even the righteous in that area. But I mean, that, uh, so I wouldn't use that argument um, to kind of debunk this, uh, this idea. But uh, the bottom line is we don't know whether something, whether Allah is punishing a nation or, or not and, and the fact is it's it's affecting everybody now around not just in china so um somebody can't argue that this is a a punishment sent to the, the chinese people by allah um but for us as muslims we need to see it as uh, two we can we can deal with this in two ways we can either um you know move further away from allah and start asking questions like oh why is allah doing this why is, you know, if somebody close to you has died from this, why is Allah, and stop questioning it, or we can start moving closer and see it as a blessing. Actually, it's a chance for us to now just step away from the, the fast life and just, you know, sit down and let's think about things a little bit, reflect about your life and what you're doing. You know, a lot of people might have been involved in things that were haram, actually now might have, have some chance to think about it. The Western life is so fast paced, you know, you get swept up in it. And it might allow some people to just start reflecting a bit more and actually move closer to Allah. And this may be a blessing. So, yeah, yeah that's, I agree. that's the way I view. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can answer that question, whether it's, um, it's a punishment or not from Allah. Uh, one thing that you can definitely say is that it's a, it's a test from Allah. So, and this is whether somebody's affected by it or not. So it, it reminded me of uh, Prophet Ayub and his story 
um, I can't remember. Um, I can't remember the the number of years off the top of my head, but um, maybe you can fill it in in the comments at some point. But he he lived a very prosperous life, and you know he he had a great business. He was very wealthy. He had lots of children. Um, you know, beautiful children, strong children, and you know, uh, I won't go into the finer details about how you know, Shaitan wanted to impose his test and allowed it. But slowly, slowly, these things got taken away from him. And he lost his business, he lost his children, and then he lost his health. And, you know, he's now lost everything that everybody generally uh, prizes so much. You know, your your wealth, your children, um, and your health. He's he's now bedridden. Not, not has he been bedridden for a few months. He's been bedridden now for seven years. And Shaitan came to his wife and said, you know, you, you had such an amazing life with your husband and, you know, look at what it's, what it's come to. Can you not ask Allah to ease the punishment a little bit? And, uh, you know, there was a tricky bit there because you have to assume that it's a punishment. And Prophet Ayyub's uh, response to her was, you know, I had, a, I had blessings for years upon years. If I remember correctly, it was about 60 years. So... He lived for 60 years with blessings upon blessings and for seven years he's he's now been in some troublesome situation and and he said look i've only had it for seven years why should i complain i had so many blessings beforehand now it, it reminds me of his story but equally so you can turn it around and if we look at the case of the muslims in palestine and in and in kashmir I don't believe they have any cases there and they're actually cut off from the rest of the world. And, you know, who would have thought that, you know, given the amount of talk that there is about Kashmir and Palestine, it's actually the rest of the world that's in need of their du'as, not the other way around for even for a moment. It's, it's actually the other way around now. So, yeah, that's that. There was one case uh, uh, in Gaza. Uh, okay. I, saw, I saw today and, and, and obviously that will be quite difficult because those people are really close to each other but but the thing is also yeah I mean what you guys said there is bang on to be honest with you um, even if it is a punishment for people it doesn't and Khairul pointed out uh, that uh, even other people good people will you know be uh, involved in the, the punishment or you say a punishment okay but the reality is is that you know, if, for example, if you think about uh, the Prophet Saleh, uh, you know, for example, the decision to kill the camel, Naqatullah, was made by a handful of people. But the other people, they sort of allowed it, or whether even they didn't, but the, when, the, when, the, when the punishment came, it came on everyone. But the point is, though, is that for we would never know. But you know that one because Allah tells you this punishment in the Quran. So whether it is a punishment, whether it isn't, for the believer, you know, um, it's a it's a trial, it's a test. You know, he may be amongst people who are being punished. How does he react to it? Does he question his iman? Does he question his his Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? I you know, I always pray salah. I've never missed a salah in my life. You know, I'm always been good. I give sadaqah. I give all these things. Why is Allah putting me through this? And, and the example that uh, Brother Adris gave there, which is a really good reminder, to be honest with you, it's been a while since I read that story, but really it's bang on where even when Iblis was trying to get through to the Prophet through his wife and say, look, you know, does Allah really love you? 
you know, why would he have done this to you if that was the case? You know, so that's why there are people out there who blatantly say, look, this is the punishment on China. Allah Alam, you get me, obviously, the people that are uh, the people that are doing what they are doing to the Muslims. Yeah, yeah, they do deserve punishment. And I'll say that, you know, because what's happening in places like China, what's happening in Kashmir, in Palestine, these are, you're not talking about, these are crimes crimes against humanity in a way. And what I mean, what I mean by that is the fact that what's been happening to these people is where these people are not considered to be human beings. You know, it's like these people have lost the mercy from their hearts. So if people have lost the mercy from their hearts, why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to be merciful on them? We don't know. So, you know, moving on, um, how do you think this, this virus has affected Muslims? Whether it's the people that you are, uh, you interact with, because if you think about what's happened, it has been a bit of a rude awakening for a lot of people in the sense that, you know, just say what's happening in China. In China, you can't even have a beard, you can't have a Muslim name, you can't fast. You, the masjids are, t- are being changed into bars and stuff. You know, you look at places where there's curfews, like, you know, in, I, I don't think the Jamia Masjid in Srinagar in Kashmir has even opened since the time when they closed it, right? And a lot of us take things just like going to the masjid as granted, to be taken for granted, right? But now it's like a bit of a rude awakening for a lot of us where, subhanAllah, you know, there's no Jummah for the first time and people are sending messages around how, how heartbroken they feel. But the Ummah's been feeling like this in places like that for, for a long time, you understand? You know, yeah. but how do you think this has affected the Muslims, and how do you think the Muslims this might even shape? Could this be a moment in history where it's gonna gonna shape the Muslim psyche? I don't know. What What do you guys think? Well, just to bounce your question back at you for a moment, couldn't you say that that's a punishment for, on us that we're not able to go to the mosque anymore? First thing I'd say is don't ask the host questions, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but now. Nah, uh, Bro, but that's the point though, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a realisation. The fact that yeah. you had it, like what you were saying, the example of uh, the prophet, he had it, didn't he? You know, but he was a prophet, obviously. The point I'm making is the fact that there's a lot of things whether you know, it's just mingling with people. And think about it, bro, subhanAllah, I wasn't even taking this thing seriously. I'll be honest with you, right? But this could go into Ramadan. If people are, if people are thinking, you know what? We can't go to pray the normal salah, the masjid. Imagine when Tarawi is going to be called off. As an example, if it is around that time. And the way it looks like it, it could well be. You understand? Bro, Eid as well. Eid. Eid as well. Eid mm. as well. Yeah, I mean, all the, all the, you know, the Japian, all the, the hogs and stuff yeah. on Eid, you know, you're going to have to definitely do the Aywala style. But, <laughs> yeah. but that, that, that's what I think. Of. Whether, it's, whether it's someone thinks of it as a punishment or not, you know, uh, but I do see your point because if you think about it, uh, Adris, You know, when someone is going to the masjid, you get more reward, don't you? Mm-hmm. So that reward aspect, that, that opportunity is, is, like, is like not there. You know, like for the people that used to go on Umrah, the people like, Hajj for you. Yo, listen, we're talking, about, we're talking about Eid, bro, Hajj. You know, whether it, whether it drags on Allah, Allah, we don't know. But, uh, yeah. but I'm, I'm not sure, bro. But yeah, uh, JK, you're going to make a point, I think. No, uh, you know, I think it has affected us, definitely. You can't, we can't deny, has it affected our lives? Definitely. In the West, especially, uh, you know, Juma, Juma being cancelled. I went to the last Juma, Subhanallah, and I don't know whether I should have, but the mosque had opened, right? So I, had to, I felt like I had to go. But Subhanallah, if this lasts for a while, then multiple Jumas, and we know the blessing of Juma. You know, the sins between two Jumas are, you know, the minor sins. They are forgiven. So a lot of this blessing that we had, 
as you know, we might not have any more. And you know, as long as our niya is there, who knows? Allah subhanahu wa taala may may give it to, give it to us. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I think I think it has impacted us. But one thing that may, made me reflect on is. Has it really impacted the Muslims of Syria, of Kashmir, of these places? And, and I'm not talking about whether they've got it or not. I'm talking about, you know, their situation of isolation, their situation of lockdown, their situation of fear of not having food in the supermarkets, not being able to even do Ramadan properly. I remember that picture of Gaza where this family was, you know, iftar in this, you know, burnt out house, right? And these, these are constant images we see every Ramadan. And it is a rude awakening to us that, Subhanallah, the Ummah has been going through this situation for ages. And only now we're getting, even, you know, I'm living in comfort here. Subhanallah, I've got my iPhone here, I've got my you know, laptop. I'm living in comfort. Subhanallah, there's nothing to complain about. But it has affected me because it's not the same way I live. But um, these, these uh, communities and the Muslims of Kashmir and Palestine, they've been going at it. And the, the difference really is, you know, their situation is inflicted on them by human beings by uh, governments, Western governments have inflicted, and Israel, you know, they, they've inflicted this situation on the Muslims, on humanity. Whereas this natural situation, no one's really inflicted it. Um, whether, you know, there is an argument to say it came out of a lab and, you know, it was a mistake. But I, I, don't, I don't have the view that someone's deliberately, you know, created coronavirus and, and spread it. Um, you know, this is a natural phenomenon. And it really just, it's, it's a sobering moment that, yeah, it has affected me. And it has changed my life for a little bit. But the Muslims, they were going through this for, for a while. You know, yeah. considering this chain of events, this should have uh, a new found level of respect for every single person in the world for refugees, for what they go through. Because this is a virus. And look at the state of the world. You know, uh, shelves are empty. Um, healthcare falling apart. The armies being deployed to control their own people. Armies are used to protect people, not not to you know defend, not to literally protect them from each other, but from um, outside threat. And, and these are being deployed internally. So, like, if you consider what refugees go through to leave their homeland, you know, at the moment we're we're struggling to go to Lidl and Tesco to get a bottle of milk. It's like if you consider what they have to go through to travel miles and miles to go to another place to try and re reset their lives that 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 should put refugees on 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 a higher level than the majority of uh, of humanity in any, if anything it's about perspective as well isn't it i mean yes it's affected muslims here in line with what you guys have been saying yes it's affected um what we can do on a day-to-day -day basis but how much you know you see the the muslims who are really um, affected by the masjids closing. Of course, that's a, it's, it's the heart of our communities, the masjids. Um, but it's happened in the past. And in fact, there's evidence for this, where the Prophet has uh, advised the Sahaba to, to, not, to pray in their homes when there's, you know, in these type of times, um, when there's going to be some sort of harm or risk. But, you know, you see Muslims who are yearning for the masjids to be reopened or they're waiting or you know when is the masjid going to be reopened again how many of the muslims are yearning for the re-establishment of allah's deen on this land in in this world you know it's a comparison we need to make that let's put this into perspective you know there's uh, the ummah is going through something unprecedented at the moment we are living in times that for 
1300 years of our history we had we had an islamic system and we had the the the, the laws of islam and the sharia of allah implemented and over for for over you know for almost 100 years now this has been um uh, absent we need to be looking at it from that perspective and not really i i think it's again affected muslims because of again individualism has affected them they're just thinking about how things are affecting them here in the west but let's look at the wider picture here we've been going through misery for the last hundred years plus why are we not think why are muslims not thinking about that i think what it I is, think the, re the reason sorry go on, i was just going to say that uh, unfortunately um, you know especially uh, muslims in the west you know, obviously, we can't speak for the Muslims in the in the Muslim lands because we can see that they're yearning for for Islam, and a lot of the stuff that's been uh, being done to them is because of the fact that they're yearning for Islam. But I think uh, for us here in the West, you know, the fact that it's a, it's it's hit our it's affected our own stomachs, the fact that it's affected our own well-being, uh, that's the reason why people are becoming proactive. But Alhamdulillah, you know, the thing is though, yeah, there may be element of selfishness but the thing is is that you know it has to start somewhere doesn't it and you know this could be that this could be that kickstart because one thing that the west western societies do very well is they hide the reality of life and they hide the reality of death to the extent that you know you go to their supermarkets you know if you go to the aisle of where the meat is you know you'll see a chicken there Nice and glossy, you know what I mean? Yeah, not a single feather on it, not a single no snooze, not a single sign of blood. Why? Because this society, the people in the society are soft. For them, they don't want to think about death, you understand? And the Muslims, it's affected us too, you know. But then what happens is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends us a reminder, you know, through whether it's a virus like this. And and ultimately people are trying to protect themselves from the virus, but virus equals death from their point of view. Right, so it is one of those things that you know it could could wake us up. But you're right because you know I, I always say that Muslims don't even need they don't just need the Sharia whilst they're alive; they need it whilst they're dead. You know, if you think about it, Subhanallah, man, in this country, certainly in the West, you know, first and foremost, you swan dies. You know, there's a big chance that you're going to go through autopsy. You understand? They're going to cut you up. They're going to open you up, you know, get your insides out and then throw them back in, sew you up. And now, subhanAllah, because of this coronavirus, there's cases where, you know, the local councils have said, we're going to cremate these people, right? Yeah. Or there's been cases where people have died and their families not, have not, were not able to attend the burial. And it was just the people from, you know, the, the, all the white suits and stuff. And they buried the people, right? So I think what's, what's important is... Uh, you know, when people are agitated, they give you an ear. Why? Because they feel that they have a problem and they look for solutions. So right now, what we can say is, Alhamdulillah, I think one of the purpose of this podcast as an example is that, you know, there are people who are confused, what's happening, what should we do, you know. But, and the reality is, is that, yeah, one angle is just stay home and read Quran. But the other angle is like what you're saying, Khairul, is actually look into what is Islam itself. Why are we in this situation? Okay, we may be feeling like we are today, like we can't leave the home, 
by our brothers and sisters around the world. That's happened. That's been happening for decades. Why? Yeah. Why? Why are we better than them? That we only give a crap when it's it's us that are affected. Why are they in that situation? And if, and and in time, I guess you will arrive at the the conclusion. But just 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 moving on. Shall there's we? a couple more questions I've got, and you know we will uh, we'll bring this the podcast to a close. Um, is that what do you think the political implications of the coronavirus is? Because this is a worldwide phenomena, right? Uh, obviously, there's a you know it's the Chinese it's the Chinese virus. So there are you know you, there are implications where the Chinese have been pointing the finger at the US. Um, other people have been pointing the fingers at China. What do you guys think the political implications of this of what's happening now? You know, is anything going to change? Is this a, a like a uh, a moment in history where think the uh, the political establishment? Some people are talking about revolutions and maybe they're watching too many movies. But do you think you know what do you think the political implications are? Yeah, just to answer that from my perspective, I think it's important as Muslims, we need to look at this like a wider angle as well. Of course, it's impacted our daily lives and there's conversations about the masjid being closed. And these are important as, you know, as a community, it's important, but we should also think about the, the wider, longer term implications. And like you said, what's the political or economic implications? Um, and I think, as, you, as I've said before, like, it really highlights some of the different systems and you know China, um, the, the stance they've taken. Yeah, lots of people have died, right? Even in South Korea and other uh, that area, you know, they were former like communist uh, countries, right? I know they're capitalists now, but they they still have some remnants of the principles of, of communism and socialism. And because of this this fact, actually, people, uh, the governments act differently. The governments have been acting slightly differently of what they've implemented, um, different to how the West have done as well. And a lot of people are now questioning that is capitalism and this freedom, the system of freedom, does it now have to implement certain socialist ideas of you know, enforcing lockdown, enforcing this, don't do this, don't do that. Um, and it is really interesting to see that. And it really highlights that capitalism is compromised. There's no true form of capitalism or democracy. It's all, there's always limits to freedom. There's always these, and now the limits seem to be a bit more higher bar. Uh, but the other, the other thing, um, you know, it'll take a bit, of, a lot of time, so we can't go into the depth of this. But, you know, looking at the reaction of politicians, so Trump, he has constantly been talking about being the the Chinese virus or the uh, the Wuhan virus. Um, but there's evidence to say that actually it was created in the US. So, you know, uh, and you know, there was a mistake uh, in the, one of the labs, and, and it got released in this way. Um, and, and and you know, there's lots of evidence to say that. Even before the first case in Wuhan, um, there were there was stuff in that kicked off in America um, with their with their army and things like this, and and how they actually took it to China in that Wuhan region when when there were the military games happening there. So I don't want to go too much detail, but it does show that uh, we do need to look at some of the depth of this and what it will mean for uh, going forward for these countries. Yeah, yeah. What's what's interesting about that is that. Um, it's difficult to say it for sure because we don't know the factual evidences, you know, if, if that is a fact. But there are certain um, media outlets um, that are talking about how actually, yeah, this virus may have originated from a lab in America. But what we can certainly do is look at the reaction, political reaction. What's very um, uh, suspicious is how um, Trump and the U.S., are um, trying to pin the blame on China. 
how then Boris Johnson has come out and um, praised some of the senators who are calling for the, the punishment of China. And they really, it sounds politically, it sounds like they're trying to pin something on, on China here. And that should raise alarm bells because we know these politicians uh, and the media outlets that they control, um, we, can't, we can't always believe them. When, when there's such a push on, on something, there has to be something underlying. There's a reason why they're trying to do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, so we can't really say uh, what's going to happen politically, though. I hope that um, it, it, uh, enable, or it forces people in the West to start questioning their ideology. How can yeah. something so small have caused such a devastating effect on their way of life? And surely they must be thinking, okay, now the governments are completely going against pure form of capitalism and looking towards more socialist elements in terms of how they're now talking about paying 80% of uh, employees' wages here in the UK, um, you know, having police uh, and military lockdowns out there and rationing and that kind of thing, stuff, really going against their own ideologies. Now, is that going to, hopefully that, that creates some sort of questioning in the minds of uh, the non-Muslims and the, uh, those in the West and start thinking about some alternative um, yeah. systems. And, and, you know, because and, really it's crazy, just politically, but also economically, what kind of economic effect it can have if this continues for, for months and uh, you know, if it goes into yeah. 12, 12 months plus, um, economically it could be devastating for their, for their economies. I mean, it already has. They've been they've been bailing out the, the banks and the Fed and the BO, Bank of England. They've been pumping in uh, quantitative easing, they call it. Yeah. Uh, they're pumping in money, printing money, uh, to to help the cash flow of these companies and these banks. So that who has to pay for that? That's us, not yeah. not me and you, but I mean the taxpayer, the, the general public. So, you know, we need to highlight these things because it does really expose this system that looks out for capitalists, but who's questioning the fact that they have underfunded the NHS for years, leading to lack of ventilation, lack of beds, uh, because they don't care about the general public. They care about their own uh, elitist capitalist back pockets. Adris? I was going to say there's a, a Sky News headline that said um, capitalism is on hold. And it just made me think, <laughs> why not just be honest and say capitalism is failing? Yeah. Because it is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, like what Khairul said there as well, and it really is a fantastic point. And, and actually what you guys are saying really is that this is an opportunity for people to to maybe voice their their um, opinions on, on the system. But what we have seen is that when something is man-made, it's going to be imperfect, imperfect, yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, it's going to have, you know, uh, it's going to have limitations. It's going to be flawed. So what we see is that true capitalism, subhanAllah, if true capitalism was being implemented today, there would be riots. There yeah. would be people being killed. There would be politicians being dragged out of their homes and lynched <laughs> on the street. Yeah. And what we see is that even when the economic crisis happened a while back, when they bailed out the banks, you know, in capitalism, if you're not efficient, then basically you have no right to those limited resources that you hold. You understand? Exactly. They need to go somewhere else. You need to you need to pack up and, and get out of there, right? But they bail out the banks. And what we see now is all this thing about the mortgages. And what you got to understand is capitalism, it doesn't entertain any other value other than the materialistic value, right? 
There's yeah. no humanitarian value in it whatsoever. So to them, but it just goes to show that the system is flawed. And and but the only thing is is that right now, even if people think about an alternative, if they think about an alternative, even if you think about it in schools, they talk about communism, even though it's defunct, <laughs> and capitalism. Yeah. They talk about the communist uh, uh, economic system and the capitalist economic system. But why is it that they don't, they don't even make a mention of a system that was being implemented for almost 1400 years, which had a record of removing poverty as an example, right? They don't entertain that. And the problem is, is that yeah. even though the people live a life where the normal people, they know they're being dealt with. They know there's a famous saying, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, but there's no alternative. And that's the thing. If there was an alternative today, these people are really in need of this, you know. But the thing is, there isn't. So the people at the top, the money makers, they have an open hand right now. They can do what they want. So, you know, I think the last question I want to bring on, obviously there's an element of what the economic damage will be, but you guys can touch upon that if you want to. But I think there's a good point at this stage to, to talk about, you know, we talked about this other system. We talked about this alternative. Okay, so if there was uh, uh, an Islamic state, if there was Islam being established somewhere on this world, i.e. there would be a Khilafah, there would be the Amiral Mu'mineen, okay, how different would uh, the state of the Muslims dealt with yeah. something like the coronavirus? Uh, can I tell you that? Yeah, just to, I think that's a really good question because, you know, um, people that may be listening to the podcast, watching the podcast, they okay. may ask this, they may have this view that, you know, we're, we're, we're given a hard time to capitalism, we're, we're, you know, rinsing it basically for what it is. Um, what is the alternative? You know, explain what that is. And it's a, it's a great question. How would Islam deal with it? And it is a bit hypothetical because it doesn't exist. The Islamic system doesn't exist today. Um, it did exist, but it, it doesn't today. And most countries follow the system of capitalism. But um, the, the way I view it is, the, the way Islam looks at the economic system and the, the, the you know, keeping the society good and the wellness of society, um, it's very different to the capitalist system, right? Um, I'm just sorry to go into the economics of it, but... Now go into the economy, you're going to the economics, that'd be good. Yeah, so, so the economic problem from a capitalist viewpoint is viewed as there's too many wants and needs to satisfy uh, the limited resources, yeah? So why, why is it that you find the shelves are empty? Because the way the person views it is mm. I need and want all of these toilet rolls. I need and want all of this pasta for myself. Yeah. Uh, whereas with uh, a Muslim and the Muslim, uh, the way Islam looks at economics is not about needs and wants. We look at it on the basis of needs. There's a limited number of needs. You know, I, I can want as much as I want. I can have unlimited wants, but there's a limited number of needs to survive. So the Islamic viewpoint is how do we distribute the limited amount of material out there, resource out there, so that everybody in the whole society has, has the basic necessities. And the do basic you mean needs. basic needs? Yeah, I mean to survive, to have basic food. Needs, yeah. to, so the, yeah, so basic Islam, Islam differentiates between basic needs and then yeah. everything else as, exactly. as, as, as a want, not a need. As a want, not a need. That's, a, that's the precise point. Whereas in capitalism, they merge both together. You know, it's all about what you need and want. It's, it's one, one group. Um, and, and the reason that's important is um, 
So the way an Islamic state would have dealt with this problem is that first and foremost, they would already have the ability uh, and have extra resource in place for something like this. So in Turkey, for example, uh, which, which isn't an Islamic system, but it has some of the remnants of the previous social system, the previous economic system, right? And one of the things you've seen there is that the people want to help each other out. They have sufficient number of beds in the hospitals. They're putting out, um, what's it called, sanitizer on the streets. You know, they're thinking about the people and making sure the people have these basic necessities. Um, and that's, that's not even an Islamic system, right? But it gives you a bit of a, uh, you know, you can see, uh, vi visualize how it would work in Islam where it would be more about satisfying everyone's needs and looking after your neighbor. Each individual wouldn't be thinking about his own greed. He'd be thinking about his neighbor's surrounding and his community. And I think that's the way, uh, if, if it existed today, that's how we would deal with this coronavirus problem. Yes, yeah, so as um, JK was just mentioning about um, um, the, uh, the Western, the, the capitalist economic system. And actually, it's built on the premise of there are limited resources with unlimited needs. So, of course, the people are going to react in the way that they're reacting. They're thinking, oh, gosh, there's limited resources here. I need to go and stock up because it's all going to run out. But then when you go into the supermarkets, they're trying to reassure everyone on the tannoy, please don't panic buy, please, there's enough for everybody to go around. But it's their ideology and their system that itself that's causing this type of panic because it's built on this false premise that we have limited resources for unlimited needs. In fact, we've got enough resources in this whole world to, to cater for 60 billion, not just the six or seven billion that we have uh, on earth. 60 billion, boy, that's a big number, bro. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what I would say is that what you have to understand is the Islam, the Sharia, came to deal with human problems. You understand? So no one understands humans, the creation, better than the creator himself. So what we see is that, you know, we have, uh, you know, uh, wealth, uh, what's called uh, uh, JK? You know, wealth distribution. Wealth distribution, hoarding, for example, is haram. Uh, but also what you got to understand is there are times when there are rules within Islam which make it flexible, okay? This isn't, this isn't like from capitalism and saying that, oh yeah, we're also flexible. No, no, here for capitalism is actually going against his actual principles in what is doing, what is doing now, right? What we're talking about, for example, the time of uh, Umar Anhu. Right when he was a Halifa, what did he do? He suspended the hadood for the chopping of the hand. And why? This wasn't something that he made up. He understood that this is from the Sharia itself, right? Mm. So, uh, and and also uh, one one story from that time. I can't remember um, which companion it was, but one companion at the time he said that, you know, the time when that famine happened. He basically what he said was that. He said that I was surprised that people didn't come out with their swords. And in a way, what he also said was that if people did come out with their swords, you would have understood why. Because there was a famine, i.e. No one, no one came out, no one robbed anyone. There wasn't highway robberies. There wasn't, you know, what I'm trying to say, right? And yeah. he was saying, I was surprised that this never happened. Why? Because the Islamic State is a state that's built on taqwa. 
yeah. is a connection with yeah. you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And mm. when you're living in this society, then subhanAllah, these trials and tribulations, you deal with them as a community, as an ummah, right? Mm. But in the West, you are purely individuals who are, who, and, and, and even your interaction with other people is for your own benefit, right? Mm. You understand? Okay. It's for your own benefit. It's, it's you, it's me, myself, and I, okay? And that's the big difference. And, and why wouldn't it be, if you think about it, one is a system which has been produced by the limited mind, whilst the other is a system that comes you know, from the one who is the master, who is the king of kings, the master of creation, the one who created everything. He understands very well. And he also tells us that he's going to test us with hunger, with poverty, you understand? so that we have taqwa. And I'll tell you one other thing as well. Is that you know when people people would call this a fitna, and you know I can't remember the exact Arabic terminology, but the word fitna it derives from uh, the the Arabic word of the the smelting process. You know I don't know if you know about the smelting process where you have the gold or you have like yeah. a metal, and it goes through a process where the impurities they are removed, and what remains is the the pure material, pure. the mm. pure gold or whatever it is, right? So, you know, the fitna is a way where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is purifying us of our sins. He is purifying us so that on the day of Yom al-Qiyamah, on the day of judgment, we stand in front of Him pure. You understand? But this is only the case if we have tawakkul, if we have yaqeen, if we have the, we have, if we have the taqwa, right? And, and that's something which is really important. Obviously, uh, address needs to become a dictator in his home, but uh, Nuruddin is here as well now. But uh, yeah, so that's just the, 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 the example that we have between the Islamic state, as an example, and the the, uh, the capitalist system. And hence, why, like you said, JK, Islam deals with the whole issue from a different angle. Yeah, just to, one, one other one to add to that was um, yeah. well, the other thing I'm reflecting. Have you, I don't know whether you saw in the UK the, uh, the guy else's name, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London. He's had to come out and uh, you know, urge an like, emergency message to the people to follow the advice of not going out to public gatherings, not going to pubs and restaurants and not congregating um, because the people aren't following the rules, like I said. And when you think about the Islamic uh, system, you know, even the the, the, the principle in Islam is that if the caliph orders something, even if it's not uh, from the Qur'an directly, if he's made an order, the people have to follow. It's a Sharia rule that you have to follow. As long as it's halal, uh, you have to follow what the, the caliph is saying. So if the caliph now said, everyone stay in their homes and no one leave, the taqwa and the understanding a Muslim has is that in Islam, to obey Allah is to obey those in authority as well. So, as Allah says, uh, you know, Ati Rasul, um, sorry, obey Allah, obey the Messenger, and those in authority amongst, amongst you. you. So, so in this principle, you know, it we need to enforce it because the people themselves want to follow the leader. Whereas in this system, uh, when the leaders say no one listens, they have to send the army out, they have to send the police out, and even still, there's going to be still issues with uh, people listening to advice. Yeah, subhanAllah. And, uh, but again, like, like I said, you know, the, 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 the state in Islam is built on, on taqwa. Uh, and what you have to understand is that, you know, in reality, you know, a society 
has rules and regulations and obviously people live according to them right and those rules and regulations are those rules they come from a system which those people want to live according to right and what should happen normally is that the state interferes when someone breaks a rule you understand someone breaks a rule the 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 society in a way should be sort of self regulating so we see in that in in islam you know for example we have so much uh, emphasis on looking after your, looking out for your neighbor for your community for each other right so and and also enjoying the good forbid the evil enjoying the good forbid the evil yes is done at a state level but also is done on the individual level in your uh, in your capacity right so when you're living in a society like this the state will interfere when someone is doing something which is affecting other people okay uh, but what you understand is in societies where you're telling the people that we are freedom you are free to do what you want you are free to uh, if you want to believe that you're a you're a tree if you want to believe that you're a dog then that's your right you can believe what you want you can do what you want now you put this in their head and then all of a sudden you're saying to them yo listen you can't be going out now for them there's okay some people might abide by that because of of their own fears but other people are like look at the end of the day nah this is just rumors it's just you know it's just uh, uh, made up because the new world order and the governments are trying to uh, the trappers and you know we got to revolt and the people are not going to listen why because they don't really care they only abide by the system when it is in their favor but like you mentioned bro towards the khalifa you know he's like a rep- the khalifa is is the successor to the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam right so the same way if the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam ordered something we would follow the khalifa is in the same way so we would follow the khalifa even though there may be you know short term uh, harm to us in a way just say but you would do it why because you're doing it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made him the representative of his deen on this world and you are by, by you obeying him you are obeying Allah and his messenger exactly. and when you have that mentality you won't be you won't be breaking these laws you won't need you won't need cameras in like nursing homes you know where you get footages of of carers beating beating old people up in their homes when no one's watching or when in these in these nurseries where you see what these people are doing with these kids you will need these secret hidden cameras why because the taqwa is something that connects you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so you will need all these hidden things because if you believe that Allah is watching you anyway why would you fear a camera in the corner right but anyway inshallah i think what we should do is uh, bring this uh, podcast uh, to a, a close but it will do it in a natural natural way so you know we spoke about the coronavirus and uh, alhamdulillah you guys have made some really fantastic points there was one question that i saw on cuz my daughter was doing a facebook no, uh, instagram live and one brother asked a question and i really want a quick answer and then we'll we'll move on towards the end is that what he said was that well what he asked is that uh, the fact that the uh, mecca haram is closed is this a sign of yawm al-qiyama so i thought i'd ask that because you know the brother uh, asked the question um Obviously, we don't know, do we? In the sense, like there's there's lots of signs of kiyama. I guess yeah. you know uh, this is maybe it's one. Allah alam. 
Anyway, Allah, Allah, <laughs> you, you just answered the question yourself, so I don't know where <laughs> you come from us now. Bro, if you guys are just sitting there watching me, you know what I mean? i got to say something, isn't it? Yeah, but okay, no. let's move on. So, 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 one quick point, though, I wanted to yeah. quickly make was um, in regards to what you were, uh, the previous question that you were asking is that um, in Islam, the, 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 the life of a Muslim is sacred. So whatever the Islamic uh, governance at the time, you know, the, the Khalifa um, decides, the Muslims understand that the life of a Muslim is sacred. So whatever per, um, procedure, uh, what do you call it, like, um, uh, or whatever um, type of rules that come out in place by uh, the Khalifa is part of it, the Muslims will understand that this is because we're trying to protect the life of Muslims and so that's why they will there'll be even more of a, a concerted effort by the Muslims from themselves to try and pr- make sure that they're not causing harm to others because it's, it's an Islamic concept it's a fundamental Islamic concept that we all hold yeah I mean obviously here you have expediency the, the fact that the discussion is that look you know Guys simply, all, can can you hear me yeah 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 yeah. All right, okay. Yeah, it's a good point, bro. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the only thing I was going to add to that, Khairul, is the fact that, you know, reflection is you're, you're completely correct. And it will do what it needs to in order to achieve that. Whilst just say now, um, you know, we have a, a, a de- the debate now is that who deserves to live and who deserves to die. So we have like limited beds, limited ventilators. We can't save everyone. So let the, you know, the 60, 70 year olds, you know, if anything, they're bloody burdened because, you know, we're going to give pensions out and stuff like that. Let's get rid of them first. Right. And then the people who are, who are going to be able to contribute into the economy, they're going to fill the pockets of the people that the, 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 the top, the, the capitalists, then uh, let's try to save them because, you know, they'll just be uh, contributing to the, to, to the system. So this, this is something in Islam, which, you would never come to come to that case because whether you're 70, your life is sacred, or whether you're 15, your life is sacred. Exactly. Yes, Adris. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that that that's one area where it does expose capitalism, where it's purely based on benefit. And right. uh, you know, anyone who brings something to the table, yeah, you're worth it. Anyone who doesn't, you're you're not worth it. And it, it is a it's a horrible and harsh approach to, because from an Islamic Islamic perspective. Uh, an older person in general is more honourable, and yeah. not for for so many different reasons. Their their parents or or you know fathers, mothers, um, whether they work or not, and and even if they don't work, they deserve it. They they raised us, you know. At, at the end of the day, if you th- if for those of you who do have kids, um, I, if, and and if you don't, when you do you'll find that you have a newfound level of respect for your parents the moment you have a newborn that arrives. And that's because you now begin to appreciate every step, every night, every day that they spent, as in your parents spent with you to raise you. And as, as time goes by, you only gain more respect for your parents. So from an Islamic perspective, this is, this is natural because you have to take care of your parents. But not only that, but Islam does legislate for this situation and, and generally for people as well. Because I think capitalism 
or and, and secularism, they don't recognize uh, how to balance the relationship between individuals and society. They, they say it's impractical, it can't happen. Whereas it's, Islam, it does, and it does legislate for it as well. Now, although, although we don't have Hilafah today, um, some of the rules we can do our best to implement them. At the end of the day, they're not going to fully function until we do uh, you know, have the entire system in place. But yeah, you, yeah, people should take the necessary measures. As in, even, even look, look, Juma is one of those things that the Prophet is the only thing that the Prophet said. If you if you miss it three times in a row, you need to you know uh, revisit iman again. Basically, you you've got to make sure that you know you're still on track. Now, that is cancelled at the moment. We can't pray Juma. Now. There's other rights as well, like visiting the sick, visiting the elderly, you know, making, taking care of the poor. These are all rights um, that, that everybody has, but you, you can't, you're not in a position to implement them. Uh, but the smaller ones, as in taking care of your neighbor, um, they are important. And the, um, you know, the, the, the sayings, the, the interpretations or the understandings of the narration say that when you know when we're ordered to take care of our neighbor what that means is that if your neighbor goes a night without food in their stomach and they're hungry maybe they couldn't afford it or they don't have it you're accountable for it mm. so yeah. if we consider the amount of muslims that there are out there who might be hoarding or might have like i don't want to go into their intentions i mean i've seen some videos of people you know trolleys stacked high with rice and flour and so on uh, and as much as that might look alarming for all we know that man is is buying enough food to feed his entire street and he's going to be preparing food to feed his entire street i, I hope he is i really do hope he is if it's just for himself then then yeah it wouldn't wouldn't yeah. be permissible um Dad. but Salahuddin is really keen for my attention at the moment but <laughs> i think there's a there's a there's a point there's a point even even with this is that the biggest worry at the moment for most people is how they're going to provide for Dad. their families at the end of the day yeah Dad. and yeah. your bike's making issues in the kitchen okay i'll move on <laughs> <laughs> so, look, the, the thing is is that everybody's really concerned about how, you know how they're going to concentrate or how they're going to be productive with work um kids kids are a blessing there's plenty of other distractions at work that you can you know get rid of and make use of um maybe it's a it's, it's a blessing for us as muslims to give us more opportunity to spend with our families and maybe we needed that to uh, appreciate some of the things that we do have because now now it does 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 go to prove that the things that we probably thought were essential, whether it is, you know, you might have lost your job or been made redundant, but now that's not even the most important thing. Right now is keeping your family safe and, you know, doing other things that are more important. And maybe this is what it takes for people to realise that, to realise what the important things are. MashaAllah. Obviously, let's, uh, let's move on before the podcast uh, disconnects again. <laughs> <laughs> but now... Some bros, in a, the, the amount of points you made there, I can't address because there's so many and there's so many valid ones. I mean, it's a lot of things that you know we we take for granted. Um, and we in these times we should repeat it, whether it's our parents, 
whether it's our kids or whether it's a time that we might be we might have now inshallah ta'ala but um get i was gonna i was gonna say to get everyone's final thoughts i think i think brother adris has given his final final thoughts there um so you know i'll just uh, ask the other two uh, starting with JK, uh, your uh, your final yeah. thoughts on on uh, on the coronavirus and and, and stuff like yeah. that, and maybe advice or something. So I mean, we've discussed lots. So alhamdulillah, I think it has been a good good podcast. But just one one final point from me, I think um, as Muslims, you know, we will protect from physical harm. You know, um, this is a physical harm. This is going to harm us if we are infected, and even if we're not. Uh, we could be carriers of it and we might affect others. So uh, we should protect. We should take the necessary measures. Yes, we have tawakkul, but we have to tie the camel as well. We have to take the action. So absolutely, we need to do this. But the point really I want to make is we need to re- realize that there's also spiritual harm uh, out there, right? There's, there's harms that impact our Islam, impact, uh, you know, impact our deen. Uh, such as secularism and you know a lot of parents as they used to say you know you want to protect your children so you we've taken them outside of the schools we've taken even when the government didn't say many parents took the children out of, out of school because of the harm but the question i really have is how many of us would have taken our children out of school because of what they're teaching them in terms of lgbt and all of this right so what i'm saying is that as muslims we need to see that balance there's lots of harms in society yes coronavirus is one of them but there's also the, the ideological spiritual harm that we should uh, balance and think about too so inshallah in this time when we're at home reflect read quran you know get closer to allah and really ask you know what are all those harms out there that we need to avoid and stay away from jazakallah bro brother Hayler. yeah I'd echo that to be honest with you um some really good points there but um my advice is look it's a it's the month of rajab ramadan is coming very soon this is Probably the perfect opportunity for us to really now prepare for the month of Ramadan. Um, let's not take, let's not go crazy about you know what's happening. Um, let's you know get closer to Allah. Learn, you know, use this as an opportunity to now actually learn about something in Islam that you were probably planning on doing, but you'd never get around to it because you're so busy. You know, spend some time with the children and, and family and parents if they're healthy, obviously. And, um, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, make the most of it because, um, you know, this is probably a blessing in that sense for us, inshallah. So. The, the, the situation reminds me of that uh, hadith that talks about take, make use of five before five. Mm. Um, you know, your your age, your health, your wealth. Uh, what were the other two? Youth. Youth. Youth, Youth before yeah and then life. your um, and your life before life. death as well. so it, it brings pretty much all of those into perspective but uh, i did have one one final point and, and oh that's... you got you still got a point you still got a point to make <laughs> yeah man i get charged for this bit <laughs> yeah this uh, the the final bit was just going going back to my role model as well who i'd like to spend quarantine with i.e uh, salahuddin it was all about implementation so the rules that you that you do know uh implement them and people always say you know you you practice islam in your home first now's your opportunity yeah uh whatever knowledge you do have of islam share it with your children and your family and you you might have actually saved some time because now you don't have a commute to work an hour it's up to an hour and a half in the morning maybe even two depending on what you're doing and then the same in the evening what are you doing with that time you either 
spending it on social media scrolling um well definitely watch this on social media and like it and share it but you know <laughs> um but be, besides that um you know where, where's the time going or is it just being wasted so make make use of your time because it's likely this is going to go on for you know maybe even 12 weeks so in 12 weeks time could you come out of this isolation situation saying i'm, I'm a better person or a better muslim or i've memorized verses of the quran or i've taught my kids this or i've learned x amount of hadith or i've implemented this or you're going to come out brain dead because all you've done is go through as many youtube videos as you possibly can to the point where youtube has blocked you <laughs> okay uh, subhanallah just uh, there's a remaining meeting time that's popped up so uh, i mean i'll have to echo 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 that because from what you guys have said um there's not really much i can add the only thing i would say is um a lot of people that in the past where i speak to um and uh, you know generally people my age in their 20s but you know, people, people like in my age, and uh, and what they say is that look, bro, I you know I really want to, but I haven't got time. You know, I got to get home. Kids are there. Kids just need to sit with the kids for a bit. I got work and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, you know, like uh, uh, Brother Adri said, you know, make the most of time. And now that excuse isn't there anymore. I'm not saying that they were making an excuse in a bad way. You know, if that was an obstacle, the obstacle Allah's removed the obstacle for you now. So now is the time. And one last thing I want to add really is about the Juma thing that uh, uh, Adri's pointed about. And I never really thought about it that, you know, subhanAllah, you know, one Juma we missed last week and obviously people were disappointed. Of course they would be, you know, go to the mosque and stuff like that. But you know, there's an opinion out there that in reality, you cannot have a Juma, Juma Salah without the Khalifa. You know, even the Hanifi Fiqh, they, 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 a lot of them pray Dhuhr because they believe that you cannot have a Juma Salah without a Khalifa. So subhanAllah, if we were upset after one week that we, we never had Juma Salah, subhanAllah, the Khalifa has been absent for almost a hundred years now. You know, yeah. and that should really, that should, that should really hit home and think, you know what, subhanAllah, you know, without even realizing it, we're, we're living in a, in a bubble where, you know, we're doing our little things, but it's very disconnected to the ummah and Islam at, at, at most. But yeah, obviously, um, you guys have made all the points. Um, just everyone stay safe. And I think, subhanAllah, this is this. Uh, obviously, once we check the recording and once we compile this and we get it out, I think, you know, uh, this medium is good, especially the fact that a lot of people are going to be at home now. Obviously, we can't get to the studio because of quarantine. And Jazakallah uh, Hair for address really suggested this this uh, this software we're using. Um, so you know, inshallah, if it works out well, we will do these. You know, normally we do podcasts every two weeks, but you know, at the end of the day, if there's if there's a demand, there's no harm in uh, doing one of these once a week. To be honest with you, and 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 also I've been on Instagram doing a few Instagram lives, and I tell you why, you know. You know, when you're out in a bar and you always speak to people and you work and you speak to people giving da'wah and whatever, you know, if after a few days when you've been working from home and you've not been doing that, you know, you just want to talk to people, right? Yeah, 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 so, yeah, so. You just want to talk to people. You want questions. You want people to ask you something. You want to interact. Yeah. So Alhamdulillah, you know, I think we can do that. So inshallah, what I'm going to do, brothers, I'm going to bring this podcast to an end. Uh, Jazakallah khair to all of you. 
to participate and really it's been a pleasure to speak to all of you. The one advice I have to Adri's brother, Adri's, uh, he knows I love him, is brother Adri's, you need to buy a lock. Purchase a lock, <laughs> right? Next time. Right? There's a lock on the door. If there's a right next time in your house, yeah, <laughs> then uh, we'll have to sort you out. But I'm, I'm preparing them for what to do in it in case... It happens either way around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, so inshallah, you'll uh, to to all our listeners and, and and you know whoever's watching this, whoever's listening to this, you know, inshallah, if you find it beneficial, share it with other people. This is a time when you have uh, you'll be at home, uh, like brother uh, J, uh, J.K. said, read the Quran, read the meaning, uh, the tafsir, you know, watch YouTube. There's some excellent um, seerahs on YouTube. Whether it's uh, well, one's been removed. You won't be able to see that, but the other one you will do, and that's uh, Dr. Yasser Qadi. He's done an amazing seerah, and also we have our own seerah specialist, Brother JK, and uh, you know we've done a few episodes of Talking Seerah. You can find that on our on our sites. So, uh, inshallah, supporters, you can find the content that we have. You know, where uh, our content is on uh, YouTube, on Instagram, on all popular pro- uh, pra- popular podcast platforms. You know, we've got Facebook, we've got a, a blog site. Alhamdulillah, we're trying our best to get, uh, uh, to generate an awareness out there. Um, so inshallah, support us, because we need the support. And uh, really, you know, all I can say is uh, stay safe and uh, think of others, probably think of others even before you think of yourself and uh, really make most of the time. Uh, so yeah, on that note, uh, brothers, Jazakallah uh, uh, Assalamu alaikum to all of you guys and assalamu alaikum to all the listeners and the viewers at home.